I started looking and I knew that you could run diesel engines off of stuff other than diesel. And so I started doing some research. I found um, where some guys had made their diesel engines run off of waste vegetable oil. So basically French fry grease. What is up, everybody? Jim to my right, Mr. Clay Hayes across from us virtually right now. Uh, Jim, when it comes to uh, the end of the world, mm. uh, I'd love to say that I have my money on me, but my money isn't on me. It's on Clay Hayes. He is the, uh, in my opinion, the foremost expert on self-reliance, on survival, on uh, woodsmanship, practical skills, and uh, and all those things. And we've talked about a lot of those things on previous podcasts. So, uh, we've done, Clay, we've podcasted several times. We've talked about you, your story, your history, self-bows. Gemini, we, we made self-bows with Clay. That was still, a, a, that's like a life highlight for me. Very cool. And uh, what we're going to talk about right now, though, is, is not as primitive because at the, at the end of the world, maybe that's a little extreme, but uh, you're going to need is a way it, to get around. Is it, Mark? <laughs> I hope so. Is it extreme so. anymore? I hope so. At one point, it was. I'm going to remain optimistic, but uh, you're going to need a way to get around. And uh, we use uh, the iron horse these days. And so the topic of this discussion is uh, end of the world trucks, which I've seen a lot on the internet. Yeah. But Clay's makes the most sense. There's a lot of really dumb ideas that people have for what to do with their truck to make it, like, apocalypse-proof and, you know, whatever. But Clay's, when you really boil it down, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what beats it. But, uh, Clay, I got, uh, I got to see this beast. We were uh, uh, in uh, Idaho. We met up. You had uh, just uh, returned from uh, harvesting uh, some rocks. Your pickup bed was was full of, of rocks. Uh, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and uh, about your truck and just like where where your idea for this, where you got the truck originally, where the idea came from to, to make the modifications that you did. Um, because it's just a really cool vehicle. And how you made the modifications because it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the rocks, um, it's the first time I've ever heard anybody talk about uh, harvesting uh, and, and rocks in the same sentence. So I'm going to have to put that in my book. <laughs> um, put it in your book. You know, I heard a guy say one time, it was very odd, <laughs> harvesting rocks. Uh, yeah, so Finn and my, my youngest boy and I um, were collecting obsidian because I've got this project in mind. I do a lot of primitive, like, well, do a lot of traditional bow hunting. But one thing that I've never done that I really want to do is like, I want to make a completely stone age bow and arrow setup. I want to go kill a deer with it. And so that's, yeah. that was kind of the, the initiation of that, that whole thing. It's a, it's going to be a big, big project, but uh, looking forward. I actually got started on the bow yesterday and it'll make, I tell you what, Whittling a piece of wood with a rock will make you appreciate a nice steel blade. Oh, it's that <laughs> level of Stone Age. So it's not even oh, just yeah. how they're, it's not even just the final product, but it's also actually making it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is the, 
is there anything different that you'll do? We're a little off topic, of course, already, but we made self bows. <laughs> we made self bows with you at your shop, and we obviously had steel blades and all that. Are you still going to make the same bow, just with super primitive tools, or is there actually something different about the bow that you have to do to make it more primitive too? Like the final product, will it look different than ours? Yeah, it'll look different. It'll be out of different materials. Um, I'm using, I want to use only things that I have available here. So I went and chopped a branch off of a plum tree yesterday. And, and the big difference though, is you can't really, you can't cut and carve like you can with a draw knife. And so you have to use wedges a lot. And so I was using antler wedges to try to wedge pieces off of it. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. Like it took me an hour to cut a branch off that was probably two and a half inches diameter with, with a rock. <laughs> <laughs> even even uh, the even getting the branch, you're doing it uh, like no, I was gonna say the old fashioned way, but like you said, the primitive, the Stone Age way. I, like I don't know if I don't know if I'm doing it the way that like you know it would have been done, but this is the way that I'm trying to figure out, you know, I've never done this before. So I'm trying to figure it out as I go. What are you wearing while you're doing this clay from alone? Not just from state farm. Just, I'm just, I'm totally nude. See, there you go. Very primitive. You have to get into the total mindset (laughs) of a caveman when you do this. So Um, that was, that was a test. I want to see if I could trap you. I thought he was going to be like, Oh, my first light Marino or something like that. I'd be like, I gotcha. No, (laughs) no, uh, you got to start somewhere. No, I'm uh, I'm I'm not taking it quite to that level. So. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. We have made some advancements. PG bow building, right? Um, well, on the more mechanical side of things, yeah. Let's get back to trucks. Let's get back to trucks, Jim. I'm su- I'm surprised you even risked deviating from some truck talk there. But you uh, always know I can bring it back, even when the topic is nowhere near vehicles. Well, one thing that I was going to mention, and again, we're sidetracking again like clay's pickup bed was like loaded down with rocks but like didn't appear to be squatting or anything she was it's, it's, it seemed pretty good to go but uh that's why that's why you get uh no i have to match so clay you, just to kind of give some background on the on the truck itself so you, you're working with a old school first gen cummins kind of um so old school dodge ram pickup the old boxy looking ones I have to. Did you start with a? Well, shoot. I want to ask why he picked that. <sighs> yeah. Well, good heavy duty. Good heavy duty truck. To to the point of, I, and and I was segueing from your point of it. It being fine, holding a pretty heavy load. Uh, those things were like grain trucks, basically, because I had one for a little bit, and driving that around was. They're a little bumpy, but they do, they do haul a load pretty well. Now, Clay, you're, even just right away. Like I mentioned the fact that it has a Cummins in it because that's a that's a diesel motor that was pretty well known for coming out in the uh, you know to the commercial market in the Dodge uh, trucks of that like you know late 80s early 90s era but the actual body style was around longer than that they had that body style for like 20 years or something like that and yours is a is a crew cab which they never actually from the factory made with a Cummins in it, you had to actually put the, that motor in it. It probably came with like a V8 at first, right? Like a gas motor. Yeah. So 
I first got the truck, I was, um, I can't remember. It was probably 2008, nine, something like that. I bought the truck originally was a single cab, long wheelbase, 1991, uh, Cummins. Okay. And I, th- so I was working with a guy that had the truck and he bought it from a, a, a farmer and it only had, when he bought it, it only had like 5,000 miles on it. I mean, it was like pristine, brand new truck. It was just sitting down in the field. Farmer didn't need it. Didn't want it. It'd been sitting there for forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he bought it for like five grand. And, um, it probably, when I, when I first saw the truck, it probably had, I don't know, 70,000 miles on it. So for a Cummins, that's like not even broke in hardly. No. And I told him, I said, if you ever want to sell that truck, I want to be the first guy that you call. And a couple of years later, he got a, got a job and, you know, started getting a, a decent paycheck and decided he needed a new truck. And so I was the, the, uh, the lucky, uh, recipient of his old truck, which I was happy to have. I actually traded, I had a, at the time I had a 2006 Dodge, uh, Cummins, which was an absolute lemon. That's a whole story in itself. Um, and I ended up getting rid of that truck, buying the, the 91 and drove it like that for, um, a number of years. Uh, but it was a single cab. And, you know, when, when it comes to a family, that's like totally impractical, you know, you can't, can't really do anything in a single cab. And so I wanted a crew cab and I'd been, I'd been looking for one and, and, and they're, they're hard to find like a crew cab, the old body style crew cab Dodges are just, there's very few of them. Yep. And finally ended up finding one. I had to drive over to Missoula to get it. And I, I don't remember exactly what year it was. It was probably uh, 2005, 2004, something like that. I don't, I don't remember. And, uh, but it, it did had a V8 in it. Uh, it was an old uh, Fish and Wildlife Service truck, actually. Still had the property number sticker in, in the yeah. cab. Dodge seemed to sell a lot of those to the government back in the day because you can find a fair amount of those old crew cab Dodges that were like Air Force trucks in Idaho and Montana area. I've seen a number of those. And then you'll find a lot of them, like you just said, like Fish and Wildlife Service. Probably shouldn't give away these secrets, but that's I have I've seen that as well. So good find. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a good find. Um and it basically what I did was t- I took both trucks, stripped them all the way down to the frame, took all the body panels, everything off of the 91. And the, the, the night, the, the crew cab was pretty beat up. Like the doors were beat up. I mean, it was, the frame was cracked. Um, I mean, they had the, the, the crew was, that was using that truck beat the fire out of it. Um, and so I stripped it all the way down, you know, rewelded the frame, make sure everything was all sound and everything. And then basically just put the 91, the 91 body on the 1980 frame. But then I used the cab, of course, off of the, the, the crew cab as well. And so it, like, everything was exactly the same. All the body panels bolted up just exactly like they did off the 1980. The only thing they changed was the lines and the body that they didn't change anything else. 
Um, and the only major modification I had to make was I was putting a long wheel base bed on a short box frame. Oh, and yeah. so I had to, had to cut uh, a big chunk out of the middle of the bed, smack it back together and reweld all that stuff. And then to make it fit onto that, uh, onto that frame. You did a, a lot of work to end up with a crew cab, old school, old body style Dodge Ram Cummins. Now, some people are going, hell yeah, and they're making like Tim Allen home improvement noises. But some people are probably, born, probably wondering, why did you do all that for still what is, you know, an old pickup? You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think that that's kind of what we're going to get into today is that there's something really special. Yes, we're talking about the end of the world, but just in general, just any <laughs> something like... Something real special about the end of the world, Jim. No, just, no, 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 no. There's something really special about old pickup trucks and like old technology and some of that stuff, it, mega simplicity when it comes to not just end of the world, but just, just anything. Even just if you're in the backcountry and you just don't have a lot of uh, resources around or you're making some big road trip and there's not going to be a mechanic every step of the way, you know, these having something like this is, is pretty cool. So can you explain kind of like why you were so hot to trot on putting all that time and energy into having that setup? Well, I mean, just the, the Cummins itself has the reputation. Uh, I mean, it's, it's bulletproof and I can, I can work on that thing. Like, you know, now you open, you open up a hood of a, a modern truck and there's like no room. You can't, mm-hmm. you don't even know what's what in there most of the time. Those old trucks, you open up the the hood. I can I can crawl from the ground up through the engine compartment and stand on top of the engine because there's room in there. Like I can, I know what's what. I can work on it with like a pair of channel locks and a ball peen hammer. I mean, <laughs> it's a very simple, it's a very simple and very reliable engine. Mm-hmm. Um there's just there's just not a lot to it it was pretty much the truck was a tractor i mean it, it was an agricultural motor that they basically just hooked up and made the right gearing and stuff to make it work in a in a truck i mean which is pretty hilarious and you can tell when you drive those things around they just sound like driving a tractor around it's just yeah. it's great yeah and even the even the transmission the, i've got the old uh get 360 in it which is doesn't have a great reputation but they're pretty good and i I actually rebuilt that transmission this past spring when I got up here. Uh, started making some grumbling noises on the way back from a hunting trip last year, and I just parked it all winter because we were in Florida and rebuilt it uh, when I got up here. And there's real, there's nothing. I mean, you open up the transmission and there's an input shaft, an output shaft, and some rings, ring gears in there, and that's about, about it. Mm-hmm. I've never worked on a transmission before, and I figured that out and and um one runs great now unfortunately they're not all like that no <laughs> i mean the if only this whole system i mean you've done an incredible amount of work to it but it, it just sounds so i guess in the grand scheme of vehicles like so like beautifully simple like you mm-hmm. said um you know i mean you still have to have some know-how a lot more than what i would have but you do but you know, I mean, it's 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 a good thing to learn on. Something that's old is is good to learn on because you learn on something new. And and I actually find that in in many cases, new cars can get a bad rap for being overly complex. Like 
still, when you finally get beneath all the plastic, like it's still all held together with bolts and nuts and washers and stuff like that. But like you said, the packaging on new cars has gotten such that heavy emphasis on packaging everything really tight. They do have to fit more electronics in there so the bulkheads are thicker and there's a lot more plastics to get through that you can break and stuff. So it is a little bit more complex in that regard. And then, of course, you know, you're just dealing with a lot more sensors. And so, like, issues can pop up with sensors and where it's like, hey, the, mechanically everything is fine here, but a sensor has gone wrong, and that's what's causing the ECU to go and, and have a fit and now cause me to, you know, not be able to drive the way I want to drive. Where, you know, I mean, the funny thing about these old trucks like the Cummins uh, Clay has is that, like, the entire front end of the truck could basically, like, fall off. Like, it could have no wheels, no front axle, nothing. And the truck would have be none the wiser. It would basically just keep putting power to the rear wheels and just, you know, like, plowing the whole front end of the car along the ground. And, it, like, it, it, there would be not a warning light on the dash. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they would think everything was fine. So that The truck is, trusts you to have at least some level of intuition where you go, you know what? The front is missing. I think we should address this. Yeah, all these sparks might be bad. Um, I mean, in contrast, I was in a truck, uh, a, like essentially a brand new truck over this last week that was essentially like a spaceship. The entire thing was a computer. Uh, had multiple sensors that had gone off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but they can't get their truck in for like the next eight months yeah like it's like i don't know it just seemed overly computery like i feel like we've almost hit like a tipping point of you know the vehicle is so reliant on the chips and the sensors and the computers that right i don't know yeah now um one of the neat things i think we can go into clay we haven't really even gotten to the the uh cool easter egg about your truck what I think is the coolest part, but we'll we'll work our way there. But one of the things that makes this, I think, such an end of the world truck is the fact that the Cummins is a diesel motor, so it relies on diesel fuel. Okay, what's special, Clay? What's special about diesel fuel? Yeah, there's nothing special about diesel fuel other than it's an oil. That's what's special and- about it. <laughs> uh, Diesel's just an oil. I mean, and, and there's lots of oils, lots of oils out there. Yeah. And because of that, and because this is like an old school diesel too. So, you know, some of the new ones that, again, you get more sensors and, and the truck is trying to be a little bit smarter than, than you are, which in many cases it usually is. But, um, you know, with these old school diesels, like you said, Clay, diesel is an oil and there's lots of oils out there. They can actually be made to run on things that aren't pump diesel from the gas station. Absolutely. And, and that I think is about the most end of the world thing that you can abs- that you could ever imagine. And this isn't just actually just to clarify too and before Clay gets into it. This isn't even just like a Cummins thing. This is people do this with old VWs, the old diesel VWs and I mean all kinds of different diesels, especially the old school ones before they had diesel exhaust fluid and all this emissions stuff. But uh Go into what you have done to make your truck uh, not only not only be able to run on stuff that's just laying around when uh, you know the end of the world happens and everybody has flooded the gas stations and there's no fuel left, uh, but also just in the meantime, it's made it extremely economical to run. Um, I actually I, I I made it run. I, I did all these conversions before I actually 
built the crew cab. So it was, I did this back when I was driving it as a single cab, uh, long wheel base. Um, I don't, this, again, I don't remember when it was, um, but diesel was not cheap and I wasn't making a lot of money. And I had where we live is 38 miles from where my office was when I was working for fish and game. And so I had almost an 80 mile a day round trip and that it, it gets expensive mm-hmm. when you're driving four or five days a week. And so I started looking at, I knew that you could run diesel engines off of stuff other than diesel. And so I started doing some research and this is where the, the interwebs come in handy. I found um, where some guys had made their diesel engines run off of waste vegetable oil. So basically French fry grease that you can get from restaurants or wherever. Um, and the modifications are really, it, they seem complicated uh, and there's a lot of plumbing, a lot of little fittings and stuff like that. But the concept is very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you could at, at the most basic, the most simple, you can really, you could take filtered waste vegetable oil or waste motor oil for that matter and dump it right into your diesel tank with no modifications at all. You can do that when it's warm weather. You're not going to do that in the cold weather because you're, because that vegetable oil will gel up and it's just not going to like it very much. Um, I actually run it in my tractor, just regular. There's no modifications in my tractor at all. It's a Kubota. Um, I don't know what the horsepower at 20 horse or something like that. Um, I just dump it straight into the fuel tank and cut it with diesel fuel. So I'll cut it like 50, 50, just to lower the viscosity of that, um, of that, uh, vegetable oil. And it runs it just fine in the summertime. I don't try it. I don't do it in the wintertime. It probably would do it just fine in the wintertime if you added a little bit more diesel. Um, but what my truck, uh, what I've done to my truck is there's basically a, a dual fuel system or a parallel fuel system in that truck. One side is diesel, one side is vegetable oil. And so in the wintertime, when it's, when it's cold, you get vegetable oil and it's most of the stuff that you're going to find is partially hydrogenated. And so it's kind of this thick, um, it's just thick stuff. You know, it's got this little globules of solidified fat in it. And so you have to warm that up to make it flow well. And so what I do is I start my truck on diesel, I, I bring it up to temperature and then I switch over to the vegetable oil. I can run as far as I want. Um, and then I, you know, minute or two before I shut the truck down for the day, I switch back to diesel and flush the system out so that the next time I started, I'm starting on, on diesel and I can, you know, of course you can start it in very cold temperatures on diesel. It wouldn't want to start, you know, if, if you, if you fail to flush it out, which I've done many times, it just doesn't, it doesn't like to start. It'll start, but you can tell it's like missing, you know, a couple cylinders. It's just like chugging along a little bit until it warms up a little bit. And then it, then it starts going. Um, but the way that I've done that is I, I use my coolant. So I've tapped into the coolant um, in the truck and I've made like a counter current heat exchange hose. So I've got an aluminum fuel line running from my 
veg oil tank, which just sits in the back of the truck. It's like a 70 gallon tank that I fill up with veg oil. We've got an aluminum line that runs through the middle of a larger hose, which my hot coolant is flowing towards the tank, goes through a loop in the tank and then back into the, the coolant system in the truck. And um, that heats the oil as it passes. It's, I know it can be hard to imagine how that happens, but there's some compression fittings and that's, that's the complicated part about figuring out how to do this is figuring out the plumbing. Cause there's a lot of little bitty connections, but the, uh, the actual concept of, of doing it is very simple. I mean, once, once you get the, once you get your veg oil hot, it goes, you can send it straight into the in- injectors and you, you don't know, it, there's no difference between running veg that I can tell anyway, between running veg oil and running diesel other than the way it smells. And you don't blow, you know, when you, when you punch on the, the fuel, you don't blow black, uh, um, black smoke out the tailpipe. You just That's blow a uh, French fry smoke. Yes. <laughs> yep. Do you get hungry when you're running your truck? on the veg oil just like oh man like i could use a burger right <laughs> use culvers right now yeah well, the exhaust is most of the time behind me but i guess the people yeah the people behind me can smell it they're wondering <laughs> they're wondering where the next stop is clay's uh, clay's single-handedly responsible for many burger pit stops oh yeah along the along the interstate but I mean, the idea, like you said, is is fairly simple. I mean, once you get that stuff to flow, that's kind of the biggest challenge is getting that oil to flow properly. But then otherwise, once it is, straight into the motor it goes. And uh, and again, you know, thanks to the fact that this is a simple setup, motor don't care. As long as it just keeps running, it's fine with that. Uh, do you get mostly... Uh, Clay, is, is the is the oil that you put in your, your veg oil setup, are you getting that, like, uh, are you going to the store and buying veg oil, or are you are you actually able to go to some, like, fast food joints and be like, hey, can I just uh, take a whole big bunch of your waste oil, or how's that work? Yeah, so I just, I get it from a restaurant, and it's actually hard to find. Like, you, you can't, in any big, big, bigger town or city, like, you go to a restaurant and ask for their veg oil and you're just not going to get it because there's, they already have someone picking it up. And I, I don't know what they do with it, but there's, there's, there's a commercial, there's value to that, that waste product. They're using it for something. Um, but if you, if you go to some of the smaller towns um, that have little, little gas station restaurants or, you know, stuff like that, you can find veg oil. A lot of times they'll just put it out back in a, a drum or something. Um, and I just bought one of those transfer pumps. Like I don't one of those red transfer pumps that you see in the back of guys' trucks. And I just drop, uh, drop the, drop the hose in those drums and pump it out of there. And then just to make sure that it's filtered and there's no like dissolved water or anything in there. I have a, a water heater, like an old 50 gallon water heater. I cut the bottom out of it and welded a, a cone with a valve at the bottom of it. So I pump it into this water heater, heat it up. And that, that drives off any m- moisture that could potentially be in the oil. And then any gunk that's in there that has made it past my initial filter on my transfer pump, 
settles to the bottom. I crack the valve at the bottom, drain off, I don't know, half a gallon or so, and good to go. That goes straight into my tank. Awesome. That's just, yeah, that's, I like that. That's a slick, uh, that's a slick way of doing things. But, you know, I think, I think one of the coolest things is, and, and th- this is why when I was like, I just don't think that there's any better way to do it than the way Clay did or something very similar for like your end of the world apocalypse truck or whatever is. They, they show it in TV shows and movies like Walking Dead or whatever. And, uh, and, and I think they show it because I actually think that it's true is like, if, if, you know, stuff hit the fan, everyone's panicking, everyone's trying to go somewhere, uh, especially if they're taking their wife's car, which I'm just going to throw wives under the bus there and say that everyone that I've ever run into, uh, all my friends I've talked to, they echo the same woes is that anytime they get into their wife's car, uh, it's on empty. So everyone's going to need to go to the gas station. Also, that's how Mark's truck is. How long have you, has your light been on uh, since I last saw you, your gas light? It it turned on about as I pulled into the driveway yesterday, and I filled up this morning. There you go. All right, yeah. Well, as usual, Mark, running it all the way down to... You really like to clean it out before you refill it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, you can find other stuff then to run on that people maybe aren't going gangbusters to find. I mean, even if you can't go to a and in, in raid a restaurant, if you go to a supermarket, I don't know how many people are going to be buying canola oil when they're all trying to get, you know, whatever else to like to eat. You know, when you see that whole aisle full of that stuff, you're going to be like, yeah, I probably don't need that right now. I need something to sustain myself. But guys like Clay are like, I'll take it. It's going to, yeah. it's going to run my truck and all kinds of other like waste oils and stuff like that. Like it's just for getting somewhere and, and doing so when there's a really, uh, when, when resources are super strapped that I think is the best way to go. And we haven't even talked really about storage too. Cause if you have a gasoline powered vehicle and you're trying to store something, let's say you're planning, you know, long term, okay, stuff's gonna go wrong and I'm I'm gonna be able to survive for years and years. Well your gasoline's gonna go bad. Hmm. I mean, or or it's gonna get to the point where really it's not doing what you would like it to do. You're not gonna have a lot of power and it's gonna it's gonna basically get used up really fast. Uh, if you ever run a car on old gas, like the gas, <laughs> the gas meter goes down very fast um, on that old tank. But with oils and stuff like that, I mean, you can just store it however long, right, Clay? Yeah. So I've got, um, like, they sell fertilizers and stuff. I live in farm country, so we have these like three hundred and fifty gallon plastic totes. Um, and I've got, uh, I've got several of those things and that's what I keep. I mean, I've, I've got some oil out there that's been there for, I don't know, probably five, six years. I'm s- still running off of it. Runs fine. Nothing wrong with it at all. That's awesome. That's impressive. Yeah. So cool. So as long as you at least got a little bit of diesel on hand, you know, to, to start up the truck, um, you know, I mean, you'll be good. And if you got a reliable old Cummins, I mean, heck, once you get it started, you just never have to turn it off unless you're trying to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. The, um, like starting, like if I had to run mine on, if I didn't have any diesel, um, I, you could still do it in the summertime. No problem. Like mm-hmm. I could run on straight vegetable oil, uh, with no diesel. Um, I can start it on vegetable oil in the, when the weather's warm. Um, 
it like I said, it doesn't doesn't like it very much, but it'll do it. It'll do it. Uh, but if you wanted to, if you figured out a way to heat the engine a little bit before you start it, then it would start no problem. Yeah. Like I can turn my truck if I'm if I'm driving, and I'm just gonna stop for a few minutes at a store. I don't like take the time to flush the engine. I just turn it off, go do what I got to do, and as long as I'm back before the engine cools off, it starts right back up, no problem. Um, you know, so you could start a little fire and let it burn down to coals and just roll the truck over the top of the, you know, where you're heating up the oil pan. And I think that'd work just fine. Someone could figure out, I'm sure if you got an engine block heater too, granted that requires electricity, but if you got an engine block heater, someone could probably figure out a circulation system too, even while the car is off just to keep mm-hmm. those lines warm. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I just think, I think the whole concept is awesome. We haven't even really gotten into how like your truck is set up too. Cause I've heard you got some, like the bed is set up kind of neat and stuff, but I think the fuel thing for me is just that's just that's huge because you get if like these trucks if you build like the craziest truck or whatever like it's no good if you can't go anywhere like it's just there's no point to that. Yeah, I mean some of the stuff that I've seen online I mean it, they're impressive like no doubt impressive but they're also like these crazy giant monstrosity Mad Max looking yeah. And I just heavy, 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 heavy. And I just, I'm not sure about the practicality at the end of the day. Yeah. Like I, Ryan's not even here and I'm talking crap about Tacomas already, but it's just like (laughs) little trucks, little motors, runs on gasoline and people put like 2,500 pounds of stuff on them. And then it's just like, well, I hope you, I hope you get as far as you want to go with that. But I just don't, you know. In the types of situations we're talking about, I just don't see it happening. Some heavy duty like that, throw the family in, running on anything, practically. It's balanced, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you have, like, the spectrum of end-of-the-world trucks, and I feel yeah. like Clay's is just, like, yeah. balanced right yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Um, I think the, the fuel thing is probably the most important consideration. Um, like, because, like you said, their fuel is going to be at a premium and if you can go to a you could even you could even run it off of old motor oil i mean mm-hmm. you can go to a garage and and there's i don't know barrels of that stuff sitting around just make sure it's filtered and um and you can run that but you know you could if you had and i, I actually looked into getting a screw press uh when i first um started doing this so a screw press would be that's how they extract canola oil from seed. So it's like just a tremendous amount of pressure extrudes the oil or expresses the oil and then kicks out the, the dry cake stuff. Um, and so if you had something like that, you could press your own oil from canola seed. I mean, you could be completely self-sufficient. Um, one of the things that I want to do just to say that I've done it is I want to render out bear fat. I want to burn bear fat in this thing. <laughs> that that would be the most Clay Hayes that, way of running a vehicle. That would be pretty amazing. Wow. That would be cool. Hey Clay, have you ever have you ever heard of guys doing um there's a and, and I don't know the science behind it, so I'm not this isn't an endorsement for me saying you should try it or anything like that. I one of the guys here, he used to work at a uh uh 
like a semi-truck service joint up here in Wisconsin. And he said that all the time when it would be right on that cusp of like winter, whether it's on the fall side or the spring side, that you would have the southern truck drivers coming up with their summer diesel. And then they would roll up north and then their diesel would gel and it would get, you know, they get stuck somewhere on the side of the road. And he said, now this is where I'm like, you know, it could have been that I, I heard it or, you know, I'm missing specifics or something like that. He said that they used to cut that stuff to get it running again and get it basically like warmed up again or whatever it is, you know, allow it to flow. They used to cut it with a little bit of gasoline. And he said that uh, he'd he'd roll up to a trucker who's obviously running a, a big diesel rig and he'd have his red gas can in his hand he'd be pouring that and they stop 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 you know and he'd be like nope you want to get going again or do you want to sit here and freeze and and they get those those suckers rolling so i don't i don't know how that would work with the veg oil setup but uh, or if it would but that was one thing i, I heard i've uh yeah I've, that's the way i mean just talking to the farmers around here that's the way they used to make winterized diesel is yeah. just add a little bit of gas to it um i've never tried that with veg oil but i I think it would work just fine or any kind of, um, any kind of thicker oil. Uh, I think if you, you mixed it, cut it with a little bit of gas, uh, I think it'd work just fine. I mean, it seems like it would operate on the same principle, you know, in theory. Well, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, wouldn't that be, I'm just, I, for whatever reason I was picturing like going to the gas pumps, like, oh, diesel and, you know, regular fuel and then bear. <laughs> Black or brown, sweetie? Did you put bear in the vehicle? Oh, no. Well, I would love to smell that tailpipe. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quote for you. Yeah. <laughs> Taken out of context. Yeah, Ryan, can we uh, can we cut that out, please? Uh, <laughs> I mean, not like cut it out because we don't want to use it. Like, I just want to have. Oh that yeah, in, blackmail. I want, I want it in my possession. Um, very cool. What? Any other? Any other provisions outside of uh, the fuel? side of things clay that make this just like one of the cooler trucks i've ever seen um i mean i don't know those old trucks were just built they were overbuilt you know i can you can beat the fire out of that thing um you put that thing in four low and you don't you don't have to do anything you just hold the steering wheel and it crawls over anything um one of the things that i always have or i always have a couple things especially this time of year going into winter, I always have chains for the tires uh, or the mm-hmm. wheels. And then I'll, I'll always have a high lift jack and a shovel, you know, with, with those things, you put that chain, you put those chains on all four wheels and there's very, I mean, may, maybe you won't drive over the top of a big tree, but anything else you're, you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. I mean, what I find what I like about Clay's truck, it's a truck, right? You're not trying to make it do too many things. Right. Like, I feel like, like some nowadays. of these other things I've seen, it's it's this, it's my it's my house, it's my tent, it's my vehicle, it's, it's this. And I just, again, I'm just not sure. I think having it be specialized as, like, optimal transportation. Right. A to B in any environment running on any oil it's going to do what it's supposed to do and it's, get you where you need to go i'm gonna throw this out there i've used this analogy a number of times with certain things it's the ak-47 of trucks there you go 
Yes. Nobody's asking it to do anything else. It's not. It's not a competition gun. It's not a what. It's not no. a show gun. It's not. It's just like this is what you use when there's like you know when an AK's case says how I look at it when there's people trying to kill you and you want to make sure that you get to it first. You know, like that's that's what an AK is for, and that it's never going to win any beauty contests. But like that's what his truck is for. It's just you know, it's like maybe a little bit like the the the. Oh, what's the word? The tolerances aren't all well, perfect. I, so I was just beautiful. I was, was going to say, like, when you're talking about the engine, it's like it's in, it's uh, intentionally a little bit loose, right? Like, like an AK, you could still shoot it if you just stuffed like a rock in a case with some powder and then just jammed into the chamber. It would still shoot that. <laughs> Same thing as if you just put any old waste oil in Clay's truck, it'll still run on that. It'll shoot that. Whereas, yeah, trucks nowadays, though, it's like. Uh, and especially when people just kid them out with so many things in the back. Like, first off, they don't even have a bed anymore because that right. just got filled up with their, like, tent and their kitchen and their little tiny storage compartments. And it, But it all just seems no so... No room for obsidian. No room for obsidian. No room for a deer carcass. But And it all just seems so fiddly and so, like, fragile. Like, it just, you know, I have my perfect organization over here and everything is where... You know, and, 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 and I have this thing, and this opens, and this folds out, and it's like a transformer. It's really cool. I, th- I admire the engineering and the fabrication and the customization that goes into those things, but, like, it just seems finicky. Like, when, I, when zombies are coming to attack me, or North Korea, or whoever it is, I just want to be able to jump in the truck and just get away, or get where I'm going, or whatever, Maybe run a couple over in the process, but you know, just that's it. If you run out of fuel, gun down a bear, render the fat, off you go. I'm so excited to see how that goes, Clay. I, I really, really am. I got to find a bear first. I think that I think today's the last uh, last day of the fall season, actually, here in Idaho. Oh, oh shoot! We're wasting your time. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I I think that's such a it it's it's hard to beat. There's other similar setups that you could do. Like it doesn't have to be the old Dodge Cummins. Um, in fact, if you don't have one yet, don't go looking for one um, because we would just don't just don't try. That way, we can keep the prices down and keep the <laughs> keep the inventory plentiful. Uh, but I mean, it literally could be like I mentioned. It could be an old VW diesel, Mercedes diesel, anything like that. Just any of those old diesels are good. The old Ford, they had a they had a couple, you know, the the early Power Strokes and stuff like oh, that. Oh sure. Um, that's all. That's my, all. Great my grandpa stuff. had a gosh, what was it? Was it a '87 Ford diesel? Had the Cummins in it. I don't think it would have had the unless he swapped it. I think it was a. I thought it was a Cummins. Hey, maybe it was. Ford do Cummins back then, Clay? Uh, I don't think they don't ever think did. So. No? Might have been yeah, something different. Different diesel then. But um, I'm gonna, I just think... I'm going to fact check myself here in a little bit. Yeah. I'll, I'll call my dad. I think it's so, and, and I was thinking about this too because just this last week, so we've got a farm truck out at my place. It's a Toyota Hilux. It's from Japan, and it's got the steering wheel on the right side. It's the one that, like... Top Gear basically did a special on, they blew it up, and they did everything, and all they had was like a set of socket wrenches, and that was all they could use to fix it. They couldn't add any parts, and it it ran despite being like thrown in the English Channel and, you know, like basically dropped off of a skyscraper. Actually, the skyscraper dropped out from underneath it because they blew up the skyscraper. Anyway, all this stuff and still ran. Semantics. Semantics. 
and uh, that's the farm truck, and it gets it gets the tar beat out of it, and everybody drives it, and nobody ever keeps up with anything on it, and but that's why I got it, and so um, it, it it I thought it was funny because I jumped in it the other day, and I hadn't driven it for a while because it had just been getting like just tossed around, but uh, I jumped in it and I started driving it, and there's awful noise just a just horrible noise and it's like a noise that you can feel too so i'm like this isn't good and so we take it in and it's like well (laughs) both front cvs are completely blown to bits there's no boots anymore there's no grease anymore it's just metal on metal (laughs) and it who knows how long it's been that way um both front wheel bearings consequently are also completely shot just borderline gone like just basically we're rolling on what used to be ball bearings and it's now just ball dust and uh that's what was making the noise now funny enough that's a really that's an old truck and uh it's one of those things where when i said if the front end could basically completely fall off that just about did and it kept going and there was not a warning light on the dash and once it got a little warmed up to it it actually started running pretty fine the noise went away (laughs) Uh, but i was like i should still check this out anyway and so I was like, there's an example of just like a tough rig built super tough. That one happens to be, though, the uh, the not as desirable gasoline inline four motor. And I was like, I just, as much as I want this to be my end of the world rig, I just, the fuel thing, I got to swap that. You got some work to do. Yeah. Swap that like old Mercedes diesel or something like that should go in there and then we'll be in better shape. The International had some scout options that were diesel. Yeah. That'd be cool. The the old Mercedes, when I was looking around on the the forums for how to do this, the, the old Mercedes are pretty popular. Yeah. Like people are wanting to find those to to do the veg oil swap. Um, I got a question for you, something I've wondered, and I don't know if you've got the answer to it, but it seems like it would be a pretty simple answer. But why in the hell can we not get a Toyota in this country with a freaking diesel engine in it? It's a great question, Clay. It's a great question. From what I've gathered, Toyota, well, there could be a number of different things. And I would actually love to hear if anybody listening out there has more insider info on this. This is this is my speculation, purely. And we'll see if it echoes some of your speculation, Clay. But I believe, one, Toyota sells the pants off of everything that they already sell, so maybe they just feel like, why bother competing with the uh, with the big boy, the the American fellas? Now, granted, Nissan did because they have a Cummins and the Titan now. But um, the other one is uh, California. I think that I I remember hearing once, and I it could have been an official source or somebody else speculating, but California has such high emission standards and regulations and all that that unless Toyota were to partner with an already existing diesel power plant, which I don't know if they want to do, um, they would have to develop their own, and then they would have to go through all the emission standards. And I think that if uh, they probably don't want to have to meet all of California's emission standards, and then also uh, if they decided to sell one here anyway, they don't want to be able to, or they don't want to sell a vehicle that they can't sell in all 50 states. Um, so that's those are some of the grumblings that I've heard, but of course they sell some, uh, and they have been known to sell some pretty spectacular diesels around the rest of the world that are quite notably reliable. And, uh, and they're doing like current models they're right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why not just, you know, well, that's just it is that I, I think that they would have to redevelop one of those 
engines to meet the emission standards of states like California, the really strict ones. Hmm. Um, of course, the states that also happen to have the most smog. But anyway, um, so that sounds plausible. Yeah. So it's bot- a shame. Bottom, I guess if you're gonna boil it down. B- blame California. Yeah. I guess I was just kind of figured that was the answer. <laughs> that's, your, any, that's your answer for everything. Any of our country's woes, we'll blame California. I apologize to all of our wonderful customers in California for doing so. Uh, well, but and sometimes I th- I it is your your state's it, fault, many times. It's uh, And I'm sure a lot of these people are frustrated as well. Yeah. You know I'll, what I mean? I'll tell you like, what. It's not them. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you one state whose fault it isn't, Texas. <laughs> they get with it. They they would They would understand. There. Sometimes, sometimes us in Texas like to have a little fun with each other, but but there's one. We'll throw kudos out their way. They get it. Uh, yeah, Clay. I don't know. So what? Uh, if you were to take Toyota, what are there options for? Because I like I've got a Toyota in um, down that I keep down in Florida, mm-hmm. old Tacoma. Uh, got a gas engine, of course. But if I wanted to put a diesel engine in there. What would you do? Mm. So I've been thinking about this, and it's hard to know right off the top because I haven't seen. I gotta look. You gotta look at the dimensions, you know, and what you can actually fit in there, and what would be reasonable to do. I know Cummins makes the uh, well, they made the four BT, mm-hmm. and then they have the two point eight R or something like that. It's a little bit smaller, four cylinder, but you know, I don't know what the the specs are exactly on that to fit inside of a smaller rig. Um, there are the Mercedes ones. They're pretty gutless, but if you're just trying to get around, you know, you don't need to be blowing the tires off or doing, doing burnouts. Um, I don't know. Either one of those is probably the route that, that I would try to investigate first. I know that there's, um, uh, you know, people, like I mentioned those VW ones, but all, all those that I can think of. Uh, that were available in the States were in front-wheel drive configurations. And so you'd have to do a little bit of work to turn that motor in line with the body. It, it, it may be perfectly doable. You just some adapter plates and you know stuff like that. But I'd probably go with the, the Mercedes or the, or the smaller Cummins. If you can find one, yeah. Yeah. If, if, I, if slash when I do it, I'll let you know. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. You should do it. You should document it yeah. and send it only to me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then what we'll do, though, is I'll send it to you and I'll be like, hey, Clay, this works great. And then public will be like, hey, everybody, it doesn't work. Don't try it. <laughs> right. You should get rid of your old Toyota trucks. They're useless. Also, any of your Mercedes diesels, not worth it. Just get rid of it all. We'll take it, though. You guys are Good Samaritans. Right, right. Would hate to have you sitting on this paperweight. It would be, um, it would be fun to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's... I'll hold the flashlight, Jim. That's my job I, when it yeah, comes to working on cars. You can do that. You can do that. Give me, give me this wrench. Hand me that socket. Yeah. I'll hold the flashlight. I have another speculative thing. Obviously, so one of the things people talk about is with these old diesels is that, you know, they're like, there's no electronics. And there is some, very few, some, you know, and, and perhaps most notably like your starter 
uh, or you know if it's uh, it's glow plugs or you know something mm-hmm. along the there's there's a couple going on there. And everyone's always like EMP, no problem. One thing that I've heard that I thought was kind of interesting was that some of the older rigs they do have fuel electronics, but the electronics that they do have usually have um th- this may be an, uh, not the correct term that but I don't think it's uninsulated because if you had uninsulated wires, you would just have like copper everywhere. Mm-hmm. But the wires aren't protected as well as they are in newer trucks from something like an EMP, which of course seems to be everyone's like primary worry. Even like when was the last time an EMP got used? I'd love to know. Maybe it was actually recently. I just wasn't aware of it. Anyway, um, but they're not as protected as they are in new new vehicles. So someone was actually saying that if you're in a new vehicle, it may be less likely to be affected hmm. because of how protected all the like circuits and things like that are in a new vehicle versus like uh, an older rig that maybe has like long unprotected wires that can basically like would, would actually act almost like an antenna for an EMP and, and, and could amplify it and fry out some things. Could you modernize those wires then? I don't know. I, I, I want to look into that because somebody inevitably is going to be commenting like, what about an EMP? And I would love to know more about about that and how you can better uh, protect your rig from something like an EMP, um, you know, and, and not just kind of like wrap everything in tinfoil because I feel like <laughs> that may not. <laughs> I don't know if that's the best call either. Sometimes I wonder, you know, even beyond this, you know, when we're having this conversation, uh, hopefully this time never comes. Uh, but uh, it'll be like, oh, what's what vehicle you're running, and it's going to have four legs, and we're going to be back on horses, and it'll be literal horsepower. True. True. Maybe we need to learn how to train horses. End of the world trucks, and it's just a horse with like a wagon behind it. <laughs> Got to feed that those two. Got to feed those two. Feel something. Gosh darn it. And a horse can't just eat waste vegetable oil. No. It wouldn't be good for it. I had I that know. at the cows before. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I bet those were some tasty cows. Probably <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, not the healthiest. Yeah. Not gonna not lowering your cholesterol with those things. Maybe not. Maybe not. I think the I don't know I don't know much about EMPs, but the uh, I don't yeah I guess I know nothing about EMPs because I don't see how just a how it could affect a copper wire. I don't know how how much it is the wire, but whatever the wire ends up being connected to, like it can just that wire can act almost like I said like an antenna to oh, basically yeah. amplify whatever go it's going into. But sorry, I interrupted though. No, I I think I can ru- I could run my truck like if I took there's a uh, what is it ECM or something like like a, a module in there, a little black box. I, I could completely delete that thing and, you know, still run my truck. Yeah. Now there's one of your, uh, there's one of your primitive tests. Cause you always seem to be testing yourself, Clay. You just take the battery out of your truck entirely or the ECM or whatever it is. Just take it out entirely and then just try to get it started and get it going. <laughs> Once it's running, that. Once it's running on all its mechanical components and sucking in air, yeah. sucking in fuel, nothing you can do about it at that point. They're not too hard hard to get started. Just yeah. make sure you park on a hill. Yeah. 
<laughs> there you go. That's that. Well, Mark, anything else you can think of? I can't. You guys, you guys are the uh, the car guys. I've never gotten it. You got to see it. It was cool. I've never gotten to see it. It's very. Uh, I just nerded out about it one time. Just industrial. Yeah. It's really cool. That's good. I like that. And I like that we teased up uh, your primitive bow project. Well, your extra. You're always doing primitive bow stuff, but this is like extra primitive bow stuff. So we'll have to uh, get back with you and chat about that. And uh, for and, sure. Uh, yeah, that one sounds really interesting too. But uh, the vehicle, we'll get a we'll we'll get a picture of it. And uh, like I said, it's beautifully simple. It's like not that simple. Like what you described on how to make it work is like that's not simple to like me, but its essence and the beauty lies in in its simplicity and versatility and practicality and it's just built to go. Couldn't have said it any better. So awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening, Clay. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch uh, on all your future endeavors, adventures projects uh for the listeners out there do you have a vehicle that's running off of i'd say non-traditional fuel uh what does your uh, bug out vehicle look like or your your uh you know <laughs> end of days vehicle that's just a depressing uh I, I don't like putting it that way your uh your contingency plan vehicle your uh, mark everyone's know. thinking it are they i think a lot of people aren't you think there's a lot of people right now that aren't thinking about oh yeah the dude, world I, ending I think the uh, the ostrich me- method is in full effect <laughs> <laughs> well maybe uh, you're on to something it's very effective it makes it, I sleep well at night uh, let us know let us know what you got going on how do you plan on getting around and until next time uh, we'll catch you on the next one bye bye peace out There you have it, folks. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, give this video a like if you liked it. Comment something below and give us a subscribe to the Vortex Nation podcast channel. It would mean a lot to us. Also, why don't you give us a follow over on Instagram while you're at it, at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'd love to hear from you over there, and we'll keep you updated with all kinds of cool photos and videos from our adventures that we do here. Otherwise, we will see you on the next one. Thank you again. Happy hunting and shooting, everybody. Have a good one.